Welcome to Third Eyesight. I'm your host, Juan Francisco, and I'm a spiritual intuitive who practices tarot card reading and mediumship. I've always been super curious about the supernatural and paranormal, and I'm here to share my stories and interview folks who want to share their own stories. Let's get to it. Today we have another episode for the Spooky Season series of Third Eyesight. Hope you're doing well. I am really intrigued by this uh, idea of the witching hour, and I find it really fun. But I feel like we could talk about it. Like, where did this idea of the witching hour come from? Is it real? Do things actually happen more frequently at night? Let's dig into it. So I'm first going to explain the witching hour. When people use the phrase, the witching hour, they usually refer to a time after midnight, particularly around 3 a.m., whatever your time zone is, 3 a.m., when the veil seems to thin between the physical world and the non-physical supernatural world, the other side. Some people report having heightened, increased uh, activity in their homes or in whatever space they feel is haunted, that things seem to happen more often with more consistency during these hours of the night or the single hour of the night, 3 to 4 a.m. And a lot of paranormal investigations, or I should say ghost hunting shows, you know, I've kind of learned to not like the phrase ghost hunting. Um, And actually, Hannah McIntyre, host of podcast Mediumship Matters, she talks about her feelings about the phrase ghost hunting, and I'm starting not to like it myself. I agree with her. It's kind of a, like, why are we hunting for ghosts? Like, hunting is such a, it's just, uh, well, a topic for another day. But for the sake of clarity, I'm going to call them ghost hunting shows. These ghost hunting, paranormal investigation shows, they always happen at night, right? And they always seem to start at sundown and end right before the sun rises because a lot of them feel, or they put out this idea that things are more, more, um, they're more likely to happen at night in the in the wee hours of the morning when things are really quiet and you can see things better in the dark, whatever it may be, or hear things better in the dark because things are so silent and things are quieter. Let's dig a little bit into the history, the or the possible history of the witching hour. I'm first going to go to a uh, a for some people an unexpected source. For me, it was actually an unexpected source. When I did some research into the history of the witching hour, I found on the website catholic.com an article written by a Catholic priest based out of Rhode Island. His name is Father Charles Grondin. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. From Rhode Island, uh, writing this article for Catholic.com on the witching hour, and I'm going to quote what he says. Quote, in popular culture, it has become known as the devil's hour. In quotes, that phrase, devil's hour. This is because gospel tradition reports that Jesus died at 3 p.m. And so, because the devil likes to mock God, the inverse hour of 3 a.m., It's considered the time the devil chooses to manifest most forcefully in the world. Some also claim that due to the large amount of sin committed at 3 a.m., the communion of saints often awakens individuals at this time in order to prompt them to pray for others. All of this, obviously, should be taken with a large grain of salt. None of these popular notions are deeply rooted in Catholic tradition, nor do they have wide acceptance, end quote. So that is the take from a Catholic priest, right? And this phrase, the devil's hour... 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. 
it's also called the witching hour by some people. So I find it interesting that that a Catholic priest has his own idea of what this hour may mean or why it's even a thing to some people. And I saw in some other bits of research, I don't know how accurate this is, but I, I was reading about other, uh, I was reading about practices by the Catholic Church way back in the day, let's say two, three, four hundred years ago, that witches were known to do rituals during these hours of the late night, early morning, and the Catholic Church or towns, which were influenced or run by the Catholic Church, would have rules about not doing anything, like no activity being allowed in public within uh, between these hours of the night. So that's interesting too, isn't it? So maybe that's where it comes from. I also found some poems from the 1700s that refer to the phrase witching hour. And I'm a former English major. I will always be an English major at heart. So I loved finding these. So I'm going to read bits of each of these poems. The first one is um, by Reverend Matthew West from Dublin in the late 1700s. And he had a, a book of poetry called Poems, Etc. on several occasions. Interesting title. And the poem itself is called Night, an Ode. And here's an excerpt. And see bright Cynthia from the ethereal sleep, on every mountain sheds a solemn gleam. Her trembling glories paint the watery deep, and add new luster to the silver stream, along whose banks at midnight's witching hour, so wayward fancy dreams, aerial beings pour. So obviously, end quote, obviously in this, poet, uh, in this poem, the witching hour has to do with these, uh, it's when these beings come out during this time of the night, around midnight or right after midnight. Uh, and then here's this other poem. It's uh, a poem by Mary Robinson from a book called Mary Robinson's Selected Poems, edited by Ju uh, Judith Pascoe. And the poem, it's a long title, okay? The title is A Fragment Supposed to be Written Near the Temple at Paris on the Night Before the Execution of Louis XVI. That's the title. Very specific, late 1700s, and here's the excerpt. Now midnight spreads her sable vest with starry rays light-tissued o'er, as an over. Now the desert's thistled breast, the chilling dews begin to soar. The owl shrieks from the tottering tower, dread watchbird of the witching hour. Spectres from their charnel cells cleave the air with hideous yells. Not a glowworm ventures forth to gild his little speck of earth. In wild despair, creation seems to wait, while horror stalks abroad to deal the shafts of fate. First of all, that's incredible writing. <laughs> I loved reading that. And if you think I could become, you know, uh, what's to call it, someone who reads, like a reader, uh, should, I be, should I have an audible? Should I be an audible celebrity or an audible influencer? Let me know. <laughs> but an incredible poem, two incredible poems, but this second one especially resonates with me. And obviously the witching hour has, it's being related to these these dark beings or these specters, aerial, uh, aerial beings and specters that are pouring forth hideous yells, specters from their charnel cells that not even a glowworm ventures forth. So a lot of spook, right? And horrors stalking abroad to deal the shafts of fate. Now let's look at this from a scientific perspective. So an article by Time magazine's website, time.com. It's called Here's Why You Always Feel Sicker at Night by journalist Markham Hyde, H-E-I-D. I hope that pronounced that right. 
And they write, quote, research suggests that your body's circadian rhythms, as well as some other factors, can exacerbate your symptoms after sundown. And they also mention Michael Smolensky, a biological rhythm researcher and adjunct professor of biomedical engineering at the University of Texas. <sighs> Take a breath, because was this, this person is obviously super qualified. Quote, this immune system activity helps kill or clear away the microorganisms that are making you ill. But the resulting inflammation causes or contributes to many of your symptoms, including fever, congestion, or sore throat. Smolensky says that this immune system activity and the inflammation it produces is not constant, but instead is highly circadian rhythmic. As a result, you tend to experience symptoms as most severe when your immune system kicks into highest gear, which is normally at night during sleep. Now let's switch over to the Encyclopedia Britannica. I looked into, because I saw some, some references to REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, and how this may contribute to our feelings about the witching hour. The Encyclopedia Britannica says, uh, well, first of all, that rapid eye movement sleep is a time of sleep when all muscles, except for the breathing diaphragm, are relaxed, or when some muscles, while relaxed, may feel brief bursts of activity. So I guess the way I can relate to this is like if I'm in, uh, if I'm sleeping and then I suddenly jerk myself awake. Like it's like I have a twitch and I wake up or I feel like I'm about to fall. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Like you're sleeping and then you feel like, or you're in between sleep and being awake and you're about to fall. I don't know if that's what that refers to, but rapid eye movement sleep obviously happens while you're sleeping. Whereas I'm describing something that I felt as I'm falling asleep, but even sometimes I'll be asleep and then I have a twitch and I wake up and I freak myself out. So rapid eye movement sleep is muscles being relaxed, except for your breathing diaphragm. It's characterized by higher heart and respiration rates, and dreams are prominent during REM sleep. And the Encyclopedia Britannica also describes how sleep is divided into two main types of sleep, REM, rapid eye movement, which we, all, which we just mentioned, and NREM, non-REM sleep, each of which occurs cyclically several times during a normal period of sleep. So, quote, REM sleep is characterized by increased neuronal activity of the forebrain and midbrain, by depressed muscle tone that relax, you know, the muscle being relaxed, and by dreaming, rapid eye movements, and vascular congestion of the sex organs. NREM sleep is divided into stages, the last of which is the deep, restorative, quiet sleep commonly associated with a good night's rest, end quote. And I'm going to read this last portion before we start talking more about this, my ideas on all of this. So the, the Encyclopedia Britannica says when NREM sleep is suddenly interrupted, and they describe a child, the child may scream and sit up in apparent terror and be incoherent and inconsolable. After a period of minutes, the child returns to sleep, often without ever having been fully alert or awake. Dream recall generally is absent, and the entire episode may be forgotten in the morning. Anxiety dreams most often seem associated with spontaneous arousals from REM sleep. So with the witching hour, is it something that people feel because of the way our bodies sleep? Is it something that occurs because of lore and myth? Is it because of how our body's immune system is regenerating or, or is taking care of itself as we're sleeping? I don't know. Uh, let's talk about it. <laughs> so, I mean, the poems talk about it. And in, 
mysticism in the new age and new age conversations in the paranormal world in terms of like investigations and things of that sort the witching hour is a very popular thing and with psychics or a lot of psychics that do feel like the witching hour is a time of the night when the veil does thin now my take on it and i actually have an interview with a very well-known paranormal investigator coming out next week and i asked him about you know when what is your your take on investigations being done at night versus the daytime? And he told me, and he's a prolific, very well-known investigator, I have to say. And for him to say this, there has to be some, I mean, there's definitely some weight to it, you know. <laughs> so I, I fully believe him. He said that most of the occurrences that are reported, most of the supernatural, allegedly supernatural occurrences that people report occur in the daytime, not at night. Now, that could be because people are sleeping, but you would think that if, if the nighttime truly is a time for them to come out and spook us or say hello to us, that they would wake us up, right? And I joked with him, and you'll hear it in the podcast next week, like, oh, yeah, I mean, to think that ghosts or souls or loved ones are like, okay, the sun's down, let's clock in, like, it's absolutely, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, time is not thing on the other side, right? So why is the witching hour such an attractive, intriguing thing for some of us? And even, hey, listen, I may feel like that I'm, gonna about to, that I'm about to debunk the idea of the witching hour in this episode, but I'm never going to be fascinated. Or I'm never going to stop being fascinated by it. And I think that the witching hour, I think it speaks to how at night, when things are so quiet, it causes us to be a little quiet and to silence our minds a little bit and silence our voices, literally our, literally our voices, just overall quietness. And in that quiet, we are able to focus more. And I think also for some of us who, who have stayed up really late at night into the wee hours of the morning, we're tired. <laughs> for some of us, we get tired. So whether we are just simply quiet and quieting our, quieting our minds and or feeling tired, these are, two, these are two elements that could contribute to being sensitive to whatever we sense and feel in our environment. So when I do a reading, I like to meditate five minutes before reading if I can, whether it's readings one-on-one -on -one with people or doing live readings on Instagram. And yes, I do try to meditate before live readings on Instagram because I want to quiet my mind. I want to kind of clear my mind of any ideas or thoughts that I may that I may be thinking about, like if I had a tough day or if, if there's something that I'm obsessed with on, in that day that I, I can't get out of my head, I want to quiet my mind from those things so I don't let them distract me during my readings. Will they pop up during the readings? Yeah, sure, they'll happen. But I at least feel like I'm, I'm establishing some sense of control over over my thoughts before I go into a reading. So with the witching hour, by staying up late and being tired and or just being quiet and letting the quiet around us influence how quiet we are, we are doing something similar. We are letting our bodies be open and, and literally just, I'm going to say it again, quiet and open to what's around us without even knowing it. And if we're on an investigation or we want to connect to the other side, there's even more intention added to that. And, and we are opening ourselves up to something to come through or for us to learn something. Now, I'm going to be devil's advocate for a little bit. No pun intended. <laughs> um, I am wondering if it's 3 a.m. 
in New York City, and it's the witching hour. But it's daylight in Tokyo. Like, does is the is the witching hour regional? Is it just uh, does everyone get their own witching hour at three a.m. their time when three a.m. does happen in their time zone? And I mention that because, and I know for those who really love the witching hour and like talking about it and and find a lot of joy in it, I'm I'm sorry to disappoint you if 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 my feelings don't align with yours. But I think the fact that we live in different time zones and that a witching hour, let's say if there is strength to a witching hour, that I I think that the fact that we are in different time zones just shows how the witching hour is really more dependent on our perspective and less on the actual time of the night. Because for something to happen and for us to receive it, we have to be open to it or alert. And I think the fact that we live in different time zones and that my witching hour is someone else's... I mean, when it's my witching hour in New York City, people in Italy are starting their work day. So it really is relative. It's subjective. And... I think it's something that we create in our minds. doesn't mean it's fake. I'm not saying that things that happen during a witching hour can be, I mean, they can be faked, but I'm not saying everything that happens in a witching hour is fake, that we make it up. I think that we just put ourselves in this mindset of, I'm ready to be spooked, or I'm ready to connect, I'm ready to be open, and almost like a placebo effect. But what comes of that, if we do experience something, it's a real experience. It's just that we created the space for it. And also, what what makes us think that that spirit is bound to our perception of time? Now, when people talk about angel numbers, I think that's very different. Like when some people wake up at 3.33 a.m., every morning for no reason or they see 11 11 on the clock a lot and they think of their mother instantly when they see that i think those are ways for spirit to get our attention as many mediums say this many mediums would agree with me it's spirit getting our attention by using signs around us including numbers including the time but to think that spirit is more connective during a time of the night or time of the year I don't know if I fully agree with that, I have to say. When I was in Gettysburg, my tour guide said that between the months of July and October, those are the most active times of the year in Gettysburg, or at least in the house, in the Farnsworth House Inn where I had this tour. And she said that, I I believe she said that the Battle of Gettysburg started in July and ended in October. And now that's that's an instance of, you know, Yes, spirit is using time, is, is more the most active within the boundaries of time. But I think, I do believe that there's spirit intentionally appearing to us, communicating with us, proactively being a force of nature around us. And I also believe in residual energy, which is energy that's like energy imprints left over by those who lived in the spaces that we're in or those who frequented the spaces that we're in. And maybe in Gettysburg, it's the residual energy that comes back during that time of the year. 
because you know the sun is rotating a certain way or the sun is on its axis a certain way or the earth, sorry the earth is on its axis what do i know about the solar system i don't know the time of year is dependent on the sun the, our position relative, relative to the sun maybe there's something there with the energies of residual of, of, with the residual energy when it knows to come back and repeat its pattern otherwise i i don't believe that spirit is like okay guys it's spooky season let's let's do some haunts like it's time to clock in now <laughs> and listen i love spooky season i love halloween i love getting spooked i love scary movies and that's okay i like all those things and i love the spooky feeling of fall and i love the 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 ambiance of the halloween season and i don't believe that spirit only comes out at halloween or that things more happen more often during around the halloween season i think that we are so prepared for a spooky season that we place our minds in this in this mentality this mindset that is so open and prepared and so 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 um so much in touch with the spooky season feelings that it opens us up by by putting ourselves in this mindset of expecting things to happen or being open to things happening, we are therefore more sensitive to picking up on those things when they do happen. And like I said, it's like taking a placebo pill that really doesn't do anything, but it makes us believe that something is happening. But the difference is with the supernatural, when it does happen, it happens. We're just more open to it because we put ourselves in that mindset, in that place. So the witching hour. Listen, if someone told me we're going to do a paranormal investigation during the witching hour. Would you like to come? Yeah, I would totally be into it. I think that's fun. I think it's fun. And I'm not saying the witching hour, like, I'm not saying that believing in the witching hour is bad or that it's ridiculous or irrational. What I think is ridiculous is believing that spirit is bound to 3 to 4 a.m. in the night. That I will be very honest about. But to enjoy the feelings of the witching hour, to enjoy talking about it, to enjoy believing in it. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just don't want us to limit ourselves. And I don't want you to limit yourself to thinking that spirit only comes out at night. And I think scary movies, these ghost hunting shows, have perpetuated that idea that the scariest things happen at night. And I'm going to put another wrench in there. I maybe, maybe the way we've evolved as human beings, you know, we were living in packs in our early days as, as a human as a human species, and at night we were probably more alert and trying to guard and defend our packs from other, other, from animals, from wildlife, from other people, other humans that would want to harm us or take over our land, or you know. So, I'm sure that has something to do with the two. That at night we're more alert because we our defenses are up a little bit more. And for those who want to bring down those defenses by saying it's the witching hour, things can happen. It lowers our defenses and makes us more open, right? But then there's also that fear from that, and that's where our defenses come up. We have this fear of the nighttime, uh, of, of being hurt some, for some people, of being scared, of being like something popping out of somewhere and surprising you. Maybe there's something, and I can do some research on that too, but if I, if I, if I have the time, but like maybe, maybe there's something about like, the way we've evolved, the way our human culture has evolved in terms of packs and herds and, and how uh, 
group mentality and protecting our groups from other groups in the nighttime, especially while we're sleeping, which is a very vulnerable state to be in. Let me know what your thoughts are on the witching hour. I'm curious. Feel free to send me a contact email through my website. You can send me a DM on Instagram. And uh, more spooky season episodes to come. Next week is an episode, as I briefly alluded to, with a very well-known paranormal investigator. It was an excellent interview. Cannot wait to share it with you. I'm going to be doing another episode on um, the history of Halloween. How did Halloween start? How far back can we go to take a look at that? And on October 25th, it's the one-year anniversary of Third Eyesight. So excited. So I'm going to be releasing a special episode on October 25th, celebrating one year of Third Eyesight. And I just cannot tell you how grateful I am to all of you. I'll save it for that podcast episode, but just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting me. And if you want to support the podcast, feel free to go to buymeacoffee.com slash third eye. That's buymeacoffee.com slash third eye. I'm sorry, Juan Third Eye. And everything that you donate to my Buy Me A Coffee page goes straight to the podcast. You can find a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page um, through my Instagram bio link. You'll see support the podcast and you'll find it there. Or just ask me and I can send you the link. Thank you so much. And I hope your spooky season is going great and that you are enjoying the transition into autumn. Even if you're in a hot area of the country or the world and it's still tropical or it's still humid, I hope that you're enjoying the transition into the later part of October and soon to be November. It's almost the end of the year, which is insane. I leave you to a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much as always for listening.